Hey everyone, thank you so much for tuning into the College Age Movement podcast again. Uh, my name is Evan, and I get the privilege and honor of being the college pastor here at Faith Chapel and College Age Movement. And this week, we are going to be talking through the second week of a new series that we started last week entitled Core. And so at Faith Chapel, we have six core values, and so we're going to take five or six weeks here to walk through what these core values are and what it means to our personal walks with Jesus. And so this week, the topic that we're talking about is growing people change. And uh, last week, we talked about Jesus and everything and this foundational element of making sure that Jesus is at the center of everything that we do. And this week, we're going to talk about that, that simple concept that there needs to be change happening if we are really, really growing. And we cannot grow stagnantly, and there has to be something that is happening in our lives. So we're going to be talking through that. And uh, the first verse that I want to look at uh, today is this, is Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8. And it says that Jesus is the same yesterday and today and forever. The first point I want to make is this, is that one thing remains. As we begin the conversation about how we identify growth in our walk with Christ, it is crucial that we understand that God never changes. This verse in Hebrews is a verse that our Foursquare denomination has deemed as one of the most important verses um, that, that we look to on a regular basis because it, it kind of gives a solidifying idea of, of who it is that we serve. And um, it's so important to understand that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. In a world that is constantly moving constantly full of change, our God remains the same. And God calls us to become more like him, and it's important to know that Jesus, that God, is not a moving target, that because he is the same yesterday, today, and forever, we can confidently pursue him in very real and practical ways, and the end goal doesn't change all of the time because he's constantly asking new things of us. It is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So it's important that we, as we talk about growing people changing, it's always in one direction, one direction, and that is towards Jesus. And so change should be evident. Change should be evident. If you claim to be following Jesus, people should not just hear it, they should see it. And I think one of the most frustrating things about Christians is that they don't look or act like Christ very often. One of the most frustrating things about my personal walk with Jesus is that people look at my life, and 50% of the time I might be doing a great, great job at, at looking a little bit like Jesus, loving people well, et cetera, et cetera. But then the other half of the time, I'm not doing a great job at it. And that's got to be frustrating for people to see us as followers of Jesus to say, hey, I follow Jesus and I believe on all the things that he believed and, and I want to obey him. But then they look at our lives and they're like, I don't think you do because you don't seem to be putting in much effort. There's a quote from Gandhi that probably most of us have heard. It's simply, I like your Christ, but I don't like your Christians. Your Christians are so unlike your Christ. And that's frustrating because I think that it's true. And we collectively and individually need to make sure that we look as much like Jesus as humanly possible. We, we will understand and we need to understand that we will never be Jesus, uh, but we can be a little bit more like him every single day. And that should be evident in the way that we are living our lives. First Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 11 through 14 says, 
For you know that we dealt with each each of you as a father deals with his own children, encouraging, comforting, and urging you to live lives worthy of God who calls you into his kingdom of glory. And we also thank God continually because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as human word, but as it actually is, the word of God, which is indeed at work in you. For you, brothers and sisters, became became imitators of God's churches in Judea, which are in Christ Jesus. You suffered from your own, for your own people the same things those churches churches suffered from the Jews. So this this concept of imitators, imitators, change becomes incredibly clear when we begin to imitate the Savior who has changed us. I just want to say that again: change becomes incredibly clear when we imitate the Savior who has changed us. I think the culture has accepted the fact that one of the greatest forms of flattery is imitation. And now while God isn't worried about flattery, he is concerned with obedience. An imitation of who Christ is is obedience to who we have been called to be. So when we de- decide that we want to imitate who Jesus is, it communicates obedience. And that's, a, that's an incredible thing that we would be obedient to the call that God has placed on our lives as individuals. And when we're obedient to whom he has called us to be, our lives become evidence that we're not the same people that we were without Jesus. Jesus changes everything. And it's so vitally important that not only do we understand that, but the people around us understand that as well. In Romans chapter 14, verses 7 through 8, It says, for none of us lives for ourselves alone, and none of us dies for ourselves alone. If we live, we live for the Lord, and if we die, we die for the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. And it's important to understand that it's not just about how you do things, but why you do them. I'm going to make a shocking statement. Uh, There are millions of incredible people who do good things, who do incredible things that don't know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. See, I think it's followers of Christ, we sometimes come under this understanding that you can't be good for the world unless you follow Jesus. And that's not true at all. There, there are pe- so many people that do unbelievable things that wouldn't consider themselves Christians. But there's something vitally important to understanding why we do good things for the world. Jesus becomes our anchor He becomes everything that we need and gives us a purpose as to why we do things. It's not just because we want to be good people. It's not because we want good karma. It's not because we hope the world comes back around for us. But it's because Jesus has anchored us into this purpose of a living a life where we love people well, where we do good things, where where we serve the widow, where we serve the orphan, where we do things that he has called us to do. And when we can look at why why we do the things that we do as having incredible purpose, and having a very distinct meaning that changes everything. So that change should be evident, and we should have purpose as to why we are trying to change. Secondly, change doesn't happen overnight. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18 says, And we all, who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit with ever-increasing glory. I want to look at it in the message translation. I think it clears it up just a little bit for us. It says, And when God is personally present, a living spirit, that old, constricting legislation is recognized as obsolete. We're free of all of that. All of us, nothing between us and God, our faces shining with the brightness of his face. And so we are transfigured much like the Messiah, 
our lives gradually becoming brighter and more beautiful as God enters our lives and we become like him. I think that word gradually is vitally important. We are gradually becoming more like Jesus. One of the examples uh, that has always rang really, really true with me is this question of, do you want to be a mushroom or do you want to be an oak tree? And we can look at that on face value and be like, that doesn't even make sense. But let me explain it just a little bit. Uh, mushrooms are kind of this incredible thing. In my backyard, sometimes these mushrooms come out of nowhere. Like overnight, there becomes this like huge mushroom in my yard. And I look at it and I'm like, that's unreal. Like that was not there eight hours ago, but now it is there. Like, wow. But I never actually take more than like 10 seconds and look at it. I'm never really in awe of it. It's just something that happened and it blooms overnight. Blooms might not be the correct word, but we're going to run with that. And I look at it and I say, wow, that's, that's really cool. Like drastic change happened overnight. When I look at an oak tree, I'm in awe of the fact that it took hundreds and hundreds of years to it, for it to become what it was intended to be. I think that's a simple example of us in the way that we look at our faith and the way that we look at our lives is that we don't want to people who, who grow overnight and then get mowed up or get pulled or just get disregarded so quickly because we're not really that impressive. Like we, we want to be oak trees. We want to be solidifying forces for our families and our friend groups and at our workplaces and whatever it may be. Like we, want to, we want to have lives where people look at it and they stop and they have to actually think about the fact that something has established itself and that it's unbelievable that over whatever course period of time that, that it's been there, it's doing incredible things and it is an incredible sign and, and wonder of who God is. And that's what we should want is not, not to come up overnight, but to be something that gradually grows over a long period of time. And then at the end of our lives, we would be strong foundational elements of this world. We have to understand that in our pursuit of changing, there will be good moments and there will be bad there will be moments that we change drastically, but most of the time, it's a slow and steady and almost always messy journey. Growth does not come without struggle. Growth does not come without pressure. And so we have to understand that we need to embrace those things and gradually become who God has called us to be. So what are some things that we can try and grow towards? I think that we can grow towards healing. There isn't a person listening to this that has not been hurt, and there isn't a person listening to this that probably isn't currently dealing with pain of some kind. But when we make a commitment to change the people that we are, that doesn't mean that we cover our hurts. That means that we actively pursue healing. And that's, that's really hard. But nothing worth doing has really ever been easy. The things that have happened in our lives that have created the need for healing are terrible. And our God would prefer that they never would have happened. But God doesn't just sit back and say, oh, shoot, like, I, I wish that wouldn't have happened, and I guess they're going to have to figure that out. He's actively pursuing our hurts. He is actively pursuing our weaknesses. And I just want to make this statement, too is that so many of us look at, at the times that we have been hurt and then we automatically associate those things with weakness. 
hurts aren't weaknesses. Hurts are just part of being human. And just because you've been hurt in a certain area doesn't mean that you're weak in that area. The enemy would want you to believe that the areas where people have taken advantage of you, areas where you have failed, you, that means that you're weak in those areas. But we're not weak. We just are human, and we make mistakes, and people make mistakes towards us. And that doesn't mean that you're weak. That just means that you were hurt and that God can use your hurts, and he wants to pursue your hurts, and he wants to pursue your pains, and he wants to redeem those things, and he wants to use them not only for his glory but yours and to, to make you who you have been called to be all along. There are verses throughout Scripture that just solidify this idea that God cares so deeply about us. In Matthew chapter 11, verse uh, 28, it says, Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. In John chapter 16, verses 33, it says, I have told you these things so that you may have peace. In this world you have trouble, you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Proverbs 3 5 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lay not on your own understanding. See, we need to trust in the Lord because he has overcome the world. No matter what hurt, no matter what pain, no matter what we are going through, Jesus has overcome that. He can help us deal with that. He understands it at every possible level, and he wants to do incredible things through us, but we have to lean into him and offer up our pains and our hurts so that he can take them and that he can fix them. My son Maddox is five years old, and uh, he broke his arm a couple weeks ago, and uh, he fell off the monkey bars. And when he fell, and I immediately saw that the arm was broken, and I didn't look at him and say, "Hey, Maddox, like get it together. Like you need to fix it. Like pop it into place. Figure out a way to splint it. Like, come on." No, I I looked at him and I I ran over to him and I picked him up and I took him immediately to a doctor because a doctor is an expert, and a doctor can, can help heal what has been broken. I think that we need to look at our walk with Jesus in that very same way, that we need to stop trying to, to fix everything ourselves. We need to stop trying to just figure it out, and we need to take our worries and take our hurts and take our pains to the expert because that's where we're going to find healing. We also need to grow towards authenticity. And one of the hardest things about growing and changing is that it requires vulnerability. It requires authenticity and vulnerability with people. Real change happens when we're willing to show our mess. Because when we're willing to show our mess, then maybe other people would be willing to do the same and show us theirs. See, we, we live in community for a reason. We were created to be relational for a reason. We need to be in real relationship. And I don't know about you, but I'm not interested in having surface-level relationships with a bunch of different people. I want to have real, deep, honest relationships with people where I can be vulnerable and honest, and they can help me through my mess, and I can do the same for them. We also need to understand that there is something about being authentic and vulnerable with God. And that sounds kind of crazy because he knows everything. He knows us better than we know ourselves, but he wants to have a conversation about us. He wants us to be willing to offer up all of the hard stuff to him. 
We need to authentically speak to people and to God. And then we need to authentically listen to people and then listen to God as well. If we're going to say that we're going to be there for people, we need to be there for people. And if we're going to say things to God, we need to be willing to be still and listen to what he has to say to us. I think that our culture has has kind of gotten prayer backwards so many different times, and it seems like we go to one extreme or the other. I remember growing up, there was always this, this thing where people would say, you need to stop asking God for things and only praying when you're asking God for things and start thanking God for things, which is so incredibly true. We have so much to be thankful for, and our prayer shouldn't just be asking for things in times of need. But I think that we've almost felt this big shift where we're afraid to ask God for things now, where we only pray when we're thankful for things and we're not willing to ask big, miraculous things from God. And he wants both. He wants us to be thankful, but he also wants us to ask for things. He wants us to, to intentionally push into him and say that I can't do this on my own and this won't happen without you. So Jesus, would you do something incredible in this moment? See, real growth is marked when we stop focusing on ourselves. But real growth is also marked when we stop trying to fix everything ourselves. We have to stop focusing on ourselves, but we also have to stop trying to fix everything ourselves and lean in to healthy people around us and lean into the God that has created us. We will not see real change if we are not willing to be real with one another. We will not see real change if we are not willing to be real with God. And then lastly, growth towards wholeness. A biblical definition of wholeness is the state of being perfectly well in body, soul, mind, will, emotions, and spirit, complete sanctification and restoration, God's original design for man before sin entered the world. And this is very important right here and now attainable only when one's body is in heaven. See, we look at that and we say, well, I don't think I'm ever going to be perfectly well in my body or perfectly well in my soul or my mind or my will or my emotions or my spirit. I'm not going to be perfectly well in those areas. But if we understand that that will not happen on this side of heaven, then we can start to look at it in a different way. You see, we were created to be whole. That concept of wholeness was created for us a long, long time ago but it was also broken a long, long time ago. And I want to just look at this from a very simple perspective. Instead of looking at it as perfect wholeness, I would encourage you to look at it as being well-rounded. I think intentionality in certain seasons to get healthy in certain areas is great. But at some point, we have to find health in all areas to grow and change in the way that God wants us to whether it's God's word, why we believe what we believe, relationships, prayer, worship, etc., etc., we have to make sure that even though it's okay to be intentional in certain areas, we will not be healthy in our relationships if we're only pursuing health in our bodies, and we will not be healthy in our prayer life if we're only focusing on getting healthy in why we believe what we believe. And, and it goes on and on and on. We have to find health and become well-rounded followers of Jesus. And that doesn't mean perfect followers of Jesus. That just means that we need to have intentionality in all of those areas. And there's so many, and it can become daunting, but that shouldn't become something that is scary. It should become something that's encouraging and understand that God doesn't ex expect you to be perfect. But he does expect you to try. He does expect you to be in pursuit of him and expects you to be in process. 
and we need to be pro- in process. <clears throat> excuse me, process in all of these different areas. Like we said before, we'll never achieve wholeness on the side of heaven, but we still need to make sure that we're doing everything that we can to actively pursue it. And like we said at the very beginning, Jesus is not a moving target. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so we can take confidence in that. We can look at his life, and we can look at what who he has called us to be, and we can just try to grow gradually towards that thing, gradually towards who God has called us to be, gradually towards who God has called us collectively as a community of people to be. And when there are hundreds of young adults, thousands of followers in Billings, Montana, millions of followers around the world who are pursuing Jesus gradually and becoming a little bit more like him, this world cannot help but to change. Thank you so much for tuning back into the College Age Movement podcast. We will talk to you guys very soon.